Our text today as we do our short series in the book of Psalms, our summer series, Psalm number 142 for our text today, Psalm number 142 for our text as we consider the Psalms of David, Psalm 142. I do have a great love for music, and I am particularly fascinated by its power to touch the human heart. I used to visit with my mother in a nursing home for my lunch hour every day, and together, when she could walk, we would walk around the floor four or five times, and I saw each person on that third floor of the nursing home over and over until I memorized all their names. There was one lady who never spoke. When we walked by, she stared off into space, never looked at me, and I noticed when the workers touched her, she screamed like she was in pain. But I never heard that lady speak any words. And then one day, it was Christmas Eve, and I was walking around the floor with my mother, and they were playing Christmas carols over the intercom. As I walked by that lady, uh, the song that was playing was that old favorite called Silent Night. And I noticed that lady was looking at me as I was passing by. And she had never done that before. She never looked at me. So I hesitated for a moment. And I looked her in the eye. And she spoke and said one word. She said, Christmas? I said to her, yes, yes, it's Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. That was the only time I ever heard her speak. But it was the song Silent Night that penetrated the dark cloudiness of her mind and woke her up enough to inquire if it really was Christmas. And I was really glad that I happened to be there that moment when she woke up from her foggy mind. The power of music to work on the human mind is fascinating to me. Now some songs are dear to us because they declare a truth that we love. We sing, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul. We like that song. We like that song. Some songs are powerful because of their simplicity. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Some songs awaken a thankful attitude in us that we need to practice. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. But there are a handful of songs that have a unique power to individually touch us and to touch our hearts. And we often repeat those songs here over and over and over because of their ability to move our hearts so quickly. And the reason for their power, I believe, is because they are written 
in a form of a prayer. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. Well, on others thou art calling. Do not pass me by. Songs like that. Do not pass me by. Songs like I need thee every hour. And nearer, still nearer. Songs like have thine own way, Lord. Push us into a mood of prayer quickly. And help us to form the words that we need to say to God. Pass me not, O gentle Savior, and hear my humble cry. So who was it that first thought to put their prayers to music? Well, it was David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. The Psalms are full of David praying his heart out, pouring out his feelings. And David understands the power of setting his prayers to music. Now someday when I meet David up in heaven, I'm going to ask him to sing Psalm 142 for me so I can hear the music he used to tell us his wonderful prayer. We've lost the music of this Jewish hymn book, the book of Psalms. Won't it be wonderful to have that songwriter sing with us the music and the restored music and the words together? That's another reason I can't wait to get to heaven. Notice the introduction to Psalm 142. It says, Masculine of David which means a song written to instruct us. David's trying to teach us a very valuable lesson to instruct us, to inform us with the idea that if you learn how to do this, your life is going to be so much better and so much happier. So let's see if we can learn our lesson, shall we, from this psalm. Once again in the introduction, it says a prayer when he was in the cave. Now we know there were two caves made famous by David. One was the cave at Adullam, where a large group of men gathered around David. And the other one was the cave at Engedi, which is way out in the wilderness, in the wild, untamed places where David wandered and was quite at home. Uh, he was sort of a mountain man. <laughs> and he used the cover of caves for shelter and for meeting places. But here in Psalm 142, we don't know what cave is mentioned. May have just been some small cave that David discovered when he was tending sheep. But we do know one thing. David was all alone in this cave. No one was there to witness the event. I think what he experienced in this cave was so intense and so emotional and powerful, he just felt he had to set it to music. So let's go with David now into the cave and see what happened to him when he was praying all alone in this cave. Verse number one, I cried to the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. Now notice as we enter into the cave with him, it's a dark and it's a damp place. There's no lights, no sunshine. 
It's sort of a depressing play. And so why is he here? What's he doing in the cave? Now be quiet now and let's listen to him pray. He says, I cried out to the Lord with my voice. Now you can pray quietly in your mind anytime you want without using your voice. And God can hear what you say in your mind. He is a mind reader. But this time, David uses his voice. And he says it was a cry. And you hear his voice echoing through the cave. Oh, God, help me, help me, God, help me. Just a cry out loud, God, help me. And then he says, I use my voice to supplicate. He's going to ask God humbly, not in a demanding way, but in a humble, inquiring voice, why God? Why? Help me to know why. Help me to understand. I can't make sense of this. Help me to grasp your purposes in my life. So now let's listen. As he goes on with his prayer in the cave, verse 2, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. Now I must say to you that personally, I don't like to listen to complaining people. (laughs) When people complain, I got two ears that goes in one and out the other. Complaining is one of the very poorest ways of communication that there is. I have a switch in my mind of a complaint person complains too much, turn it off. Because I don't want to hear complaining. But I will tell you, as long as you don't do it regularly, don't make it a habit, God will listen to your complaint. If all you ever do is complain to God, He doesn't want to hear it either. But if you do have a legitimate complaint, God is very patient and will hear you out. And David said, I poured it out. I told God everything. And David David now tells us in his prayer that he's in trouble. And that's why he's complaining. My friends, I'm quite sure, too, that's why he's in a cave. Now let's see if we can figure out what kind of trouble David was experiencing. Verse 3, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knowest my path. In the way wherein I walked, they privily laid a snare for me. First of all, he says, I'm overwhelmed. Now there is a very familiar feeling for us, isn't it? We all know what it is to feel overwhelmed. When problems come along, we naturally try to figure out what to do and make some sort of response which would be a solution to our problems. But sometimes problems are overwhelming as we don't know what to do. I can't figure this out. I'm overwhelmed. I just don't know what to do. And in this illogical an unrealistic world that we're living in right now, it's easy to be overwhelmed. Nothing makes sense. I don't know what to do. Now David tells us why he is overwhelmed. My path, God, he says, you know what they did to me. They laid a snare for me. They set a trap. 
Now, there are two things about the trap. He said, number one, they did it secretly. So I walked into their trap totally unaware. And secondly, they laid it in a place where I always walk. It's my regular path. I use it every day. And they knew my habits. And they studied my daily routines. And they set a trap for me that was sure to get me. Wow. That's quite a statement. First of all, who are they? Who set this trap? And secondly, why did they try to trap David? Now we know David had some real problems in his younger years. Let's see what trap David is talking about. I'm reading from 1 Samuel chapter 19, starting at verse number 8. There was a war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines and slew them with a great slaughter, and they fled from him. And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul as he sat in his house with his javelin in his hand. And David played with his hand, and Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with a javelin. But he slipped away out of Saul's presence, and he smote the javelin into the wall. David fled and escaped that night. David goes out and fights the Philistine army, wins a very decisive victory for Israel. And you'd think King Saul would be happy, but no. He brings David to come and play his harp for him. And David did that to soothe Saul. But instead, King Saul grabs his spear and throws it at David and tries to kill him. And it's only David's quick reflexes that make him duck out of the path of the spear and it sticks into the wall behind him and he runs away but here comes the trap verse 11 Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to slay him in the morning and Michael David's wife told him saying if thou save not thy life tonight tomorrow thou shalt be slain So Michael let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. Michael took an image, laid it on his bed, and put a pillow of goat's hair for his bolster and covered it with a cloth. When Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, He is sick. Saul sent the messengers again to see David, saying, Bring him to me in the bed that I may slay him. When the messengers were coming, behold, there was an image in the bed with a pillow of gold hair for his bolster. So this is a place where he goes every day. He goes home. Naturally, he goes home to his wife. When he gets there, he finds out they're watching his house. The only way he can escape is to climb out the back window. And to buy him time to escape, his wife fluffs up the blankets on his bed and takes a goat hide, uh, which looks like David's red hair, uh, and puts it on his pillow. They come in the house to get him, and his wife says he's sick in bed. So they go back to King Saul, and they say, he's sick in bed. King Saul says, I'm bringing him here to me in his bed, and I'll kill him. So they go back and they discover the goat hair and the ruffled blankets are just an illusion. David is gone. David runs for his life. He can't wander around. People will see him and turn him in. So he goes to a cave and there he hides 
temporarily a place out of sight. But what he can't understand is why Saul is consumed with killing him. David had killed the giant Goliath for Saul and for Israel. And David won a decisive victory over the Philistines for Israel. David is faithfully serving King Saul. So why does he want to kill me? He keeps wondering why does he want to kill me? They tried to kill me in my own house. They tried to kill me in my own bed. Why, Lord? That's his complaint. There's no justification for King Saul's obsession with killing David. The Bible tells us that Saul was very jealous. David was so successful in battle that Saul was jealous. And now in a cave he prays to God, help me! Now listen as he pours out his emotions. Back in Psalm 142, verse 4. I looked on my right hand and beheld, and there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. It's a pitiful prayer. That was the habit of that day when you went to court and someone's going to speak on your behalf, maybe give evidence of your innocence or act as a lawyer or your spokesman, that when you stood in front of the judge, your advocate stood right on your right-hand side. David said, I was looking for somebody to defend me and I looked on my right side and there was nobody there, not one person would defend me. There wasn't anybody that that I could go to and say, will you help me? Will you give me a safe place? So I'm hiding alone here in this cave. And then his most heart-wrenching cry, no man cared for my soul. My soul, my being. He said, nobody cares if I live or die. They don't care about my life. Nobody cares for my soul. Wow. Come to find out his complaint is legitimate. There's no wonder he's overwhelmed. Now we've listened to his prayers. And his is a desperate case. Everybody wants him dead for no good reason other than bitterness and envy and jealousy and hatred. Now my friends, what happened next is something I can't really explain with words. I've experienced what happened to David but I can't quite explain it. It's something you feel. And unless you felt it, it's hard to express with just words. David prayed. He poured out his heart to God and he told God how he felt. I feel abandoned. I feel lonely and helpless and overwhelmed. And then something happened in that cave. Something wonderful, something thrilling. It was breathtaking. Suddenly God came into that cave and his presence came sweeping over David in the cave. And God came so close to David that David could feel God's presence filling that cave. 
And suddenly his prayer changes from a complaint now to a worshipful praise. Listen as he goes on after God's presence pours into the cave in verse 5. I cried unto thee, O Lord, and I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. O Lord, you're my refuge. It's not this cold, old, damp cave. I'm safely hiding in you. We just sang under his wings. I am safely abiding. Though the night deepens and tempests are wild. Still, I can trust him. I know he will keep me. He has redeemed me. I am his child. I do have a defender at my right hand. It's Jesus, says David. I do have someone who cares for my soul. It's my heavenly Father. I do have a refuge in a safe place. It's God. I thought I was all alone in this cave with nothing at all for my own. No portion, no weapon, no tool at my disposal. But come to find out I got God and he's all I need and he's more than all that. He will help me, he says, and defend me in the land of the living. I don't have to wait to go to heaven to get help. He's going to help me right here, right now, starting in this cave. I am overwhelmed with my life. He promises to make it better. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, just a reminder now that David gives God, verse 6, Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. The people after me have all the power, God. I don't have any. King Saul has an army and all the resources. Just a reminder, God, I'm pretty weak, but you are strong. We sing it, don't we? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. Remember the rest? They are weak, but he is strong. Listen, my friends. David found a sympathetic ear of God in that cave. For heaven's sakes, Jesus knows what it is to be abandoned and alone. He stood alone in front of Pontius Pilate with not one person on his right side, not one person to defend him, and the crowd howled out in their hatred, crucify him, crucify him. He knows what it is to be alone. He knows what it is to have no portion. Jesus said, foxes have a hole in the ground. Birds have nests. I don't even have a place to lay my head. And they crucify him and he hung between two thieves. He died and they buried him in a borrowed tomb. Jesus knows what it feels like when no man cares if you live or die. The words of David perfectly describe Jesus when he said, no man cared for my soul. Jesus is a sympathetic ear. Tell him how you feel. He's listening. This is a song of instruction, he says. He's trying to teach us to call on God, to supplicate, to pray your heart out until you experience the presence of God sweeping over your soul. And you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, he loves me and he gave himself for me. That's what he's trying to teach us. Now listen 
to David's newfound faith. Verse 7. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. I'm going to leave this cave, he says. It's a prison to me. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it under God's protection. And God is going to help me. And I'll be blessed. And people are going to gather around me. And they're going to say, boy, look what God did for you. God really helped you. Your life is an amazing example of God's blessing and God's help. And he said that while he was still in the cave. What a change came over David when he prayed in that cave. And he was right. He was exactly right. Soon they gathered around David and all of Israel made him their new king. And his name was used for generations and generations as the king of kings. And on that first Christmas morning, the angels sang their Christmas song, Joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. For unto you was born this day in the city of David. David's city, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And Jesus was called the Son of David. Well, my friends, did you learn anything? If you are overwhelmed, if you're hiding in a cave, pray, pray, pray and believe. God has set a way for you to leave the cave and live a blessed life. He's got a plan, and you can trust him to carry it out. May God bless you as you pray and believe and learn from what happened to David in the cave. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, in our hearts we trust in you. Sometimes we're overwhelmed with life, but we know that Jesus can help us. He'll be our refuge and our strength and a very present help for us. He's going to help us down here in this world. And we can come out of the cave and trust in God. Bless us, Lord. And we may trust in you with all our hearts and believe in you. We thank you for David and his wonderful song. We long to hear him sing it to us someday in those wonderful phrases that we might know that God is the best friend we have. So bless us and help us, we ask. Bless these people because they have been here today. Be especially kind to their hearts and souls, I ask. In Jesus' name, amen. In closing, we'd like to sing a song. I need thee every hour. Yeah, just the first verse. Stand together as we sing on the bulletin.
grateful that you are a refuge to us. You are like that cave when your spirit comes around us, wraps your arms around us wherever we are in this life, when we feel overwhelmed, when the circumstances of our life are so much, when we feel all alone, that there's not another person standing by us. We know that you are there. May we call on your name. May we reach out and desire you, Lord. Speak to us. Help us to know that your presence is near. Wrap around us that we might know that the mighty Spirit of God is listening to our cry. We thank you for this. We ask for your protection and your care for all of these folks here. We pray for a special blessing. We pray that your Spirit would be in, down at the pond when we get together in the hearts of all these people, that we would receive you as a small child. May our hearts be like that in faith. May we be ready to go into this world and do what you have called us to do. We are so thankful that we can come to you again and again, that you have patience and kindness and love for us. In your name.